You're listening to Lego Masters Deconstructed. Welcome back to Lego Masters Deconstructed, Australia's only Lego Masters podcast. Big episode tonight, two builds and another elimination. And I'll be honest, it was a bit of a roller coaster. I was all over the place watching this episode. Zoe, how are you feeling? I was exactly the same. There was a lot of like a regular heartbeat and like panic happening on my end. It was a very big build. We, like you said, had a double build episode, which is always really fun to watch because you get to see two builds in one episode. But obviously it means if there's an elimination, there's a lot of stress. I was all over the place. I would say the trend of the episode started off quite positive, some good news for some teams, Mm -hmm. and then by the end was just harrowing and disastrous. So we're down to five teams at the start of this episode. Um, And our first build was kind of similar to the Hanging Brick build from Season 2. And it was called Will It Fly? And it was essentially building something that is to be suspended by one of the big helium balloons that they have. And it has to essentially stay in the air for 10 seconds. It it can't go any higher, but it can't hit the ground. We don't need to go too in-depth into the actual builds themselves, but I do want to chat just quickly about how cool this challenge was Mm. it's one of the most unique challenges we've had and you know three seasons in I guess they have to try and come up with crazy ideas but I thought it was so interesting we haven't had anything like it before maybe the most difficult thing they've ever had to do as Mm. well the thing that struck me and this became particularly evident uh when Sarah and Fleur first started building and started uh weighing things was just how light these builds needed to be and then later on we saw just how much of a difference one brick could make. And that is just like mind blowing to me. Yeah, for sure. It did seem like the teams maybe went a little bit too hard at the beginning in regards to size. Like it seemed like almost all of them made that mistake, which means it must've been a very easy mistake to make. Yeah, we'll whip through the builds uh, and just talk a little bit about each team before we get onto the second challenge. Um, So we'll start with our winners, Gabby and Ryan. They... Finally got rid of the Brick of Doom, which is so exciting for them. And honestly, I really thought they deserved this win. This was absolutely my favorite build of the challenge. It was my favorite build of theirs. I thought it was super creative and super quirky. Yeah, 100% fantastic build. No complaints. The fact that it had motion in it was insane. I do want to take a moment to acknowledge how much Hamish was trolling them during their (laughs) weight test, where they were trying to remove bricks and he kept being like, oh, no. What if that's the brick that Brickman likes the best? And Brickman's standing there like, oh, I can't tell you. <laughs> that was a bit fun. But massive props to them. Well-deserved. Finally getting rid of the curse must be must have been great for them. Congratulations. Well, go to uh, David and Gus who were in the top two and they had the Pegasus. Now, I, I want to say here that this is something that I have been saying about Brickman's judging the last couple of episodes. It's not at all a criticism of David and Gus. I love them. They're insanely talented. But another piece of feedback that Brickman gave them was that it told a really great story. And I said this last episode, I don't understand. Like, to me, it was just like this really beautiful Pegasus. It looked amazing. It was technically beautiful all of that. But I'm like, I I don't see what the story is. I feel like I need to sit down with Brickman and like get him to explain what he means when he says that. 
I think that's something that could be getting lost in translation there in the move from physical space to television is the small details of the Pegasus that would tell a story of how it's feeling. Mm -hmm. And the reason I say that is because Hamish talked about how the pose really made it look like it was coming into land, but that's something that didn't really translate to our screens at all. Totally. And so if I extrapolate from that, I wonder if there were a lot of little details in the expression of the Pegasus and the way the specific like muscles were shaped that illustrated more than what came across. I would say it was my second favorite build. And I don't know if the flying machine had more of a story. I think you could put a story onto it. Like they were talking about, oh, is the inventor going to survive? Totally. But I think in the same way you could put that story onto the Pegasus. So I did agree with you last week with Brickman's story comment about David and Gus, where I was like, mm, what does he mean? In this case, though, I think it was more a case of how much story can you cram into, you know, 200 grams of Lego bricks. Yeah, no, I, t- I totally agree. I, I do think there definitely is a disconnect with what they show us on TV and then what it looks like in real life. I think as well, because I compare it to builds like Scott and Owen and Harrison and Michael who have like a, definitely a clearer story to me, or a more obvious story to me. I think that's why I struggle to see what Brookman means with David and Gus and, and, and Gabby and Ryan for that fact. But all, all in all, I love the Pegasus. It was beautiful. Like they smash it every time. I think the other interesting thing is we see so little of David and Gus throughout the builds yes. because there seem to be such a well-oiled team. And as a result, <laughs> we have less of a grasp on their builds as we do the other teams just because we haven't seen them as much. I think because we do see more of people like Scott Noah and Harrison and Michael, we see them explain their build a lot more. And then I think when we see the finished product, we we have that backstory already. Whereas, like you said, with, with David and Gus, we don't actually see their process as much. So there probably are a lot of little features and, and a story that they are building that we don't get to see. Exactly right. That's exactly right. Yeah. And I do want to jump to Harrison and Michael for a moment because mm-hmm. I mean this as a huge compliment. I think their idea was the Sarah and Fleurist idea out of the five ideas. <laughs> and by that, I mean, it was the one that was the most creative out of the box ridiculous <laughs> in a way that Sarah and Fleur have such a monopoly on or have had such a monopoly on until this point, maybe. Mm-hmm. So they had Harrison's love life as the idea. It's also the first time I think that a contestant has been roasted by their own build <laughs> in the show, which is wonderful. It didn't quite take the win, but I think it gets the points for just being the most unique creative idea. Yes, I loved this. I thought this was such a funny idea. And yeah, I think it's the first time that we've also seen a build that's about the actual team. Like yeah. usually it's it's about another situation or a character or whatever, but it's not usually the actual team themselves. So I loved this. The only disadvantage I could have seen with this build was that it was a lot longer than the others. So they're automatically closer to the ground. So I was a bit worried about them hitting the ground quicker, but Obviously, they worked out the weight. They were fine. I, th- I really liked it. That's a good point. I didn't even think of that. Yeah, extra props to them. Great work, guys. Also, and Brickman did point this out, the fact that the balloon is mm. a part of the build canonically was, again, super unique and, and really cool. So great work, guys. Big fan. Yeah, we'll jump to Scott Nowen, who did the astronaut who's fallen out of a spaceship. And they did a classic Scott Nowen where they had to basically start again halfway through because they initially built him too big and they sort of had to scale down so that they could remain in the air. It is so tough because as they said, like it would be so difficult to scale it down without rebuilding it. Otherwise, I think the build was cool. I don't think there's anything I could really add here just because it's kind of like, yeah, you guys had a tough situation. Still looks pretty cool, but 
Oh, no. <laughs> and lastly, Sarah and Fleur had the picnic basket with some food and little insects. I thought this was a really nice blend of two of their favorite things. Like they said, Fleur really likes building food. Sarah really likes building insects and little creatures. And we know that this is when they thrive. Uh, what I also liked about this picnic basket idea was that they could add or remove things like fruit and creatures on the side to change the weight of it. Mm. And obviously in the end, they still have to do it piece by piece to fine tune it. But in regards to bulk adding or removing weight, they kind of had an inbuilt mechanism for that. So I thought that was really smart as well. Yeah, definitely. And the sandwich looked so good. Best logo sandwich I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> so Gabby and Ryan were the winners of the first build, which meant that they got a 30-minute head start in the second build. I feel like it should have been 45, to be honest. Maybe not a full hour because it wasn't a super long build, but 30 just seemed mm. a tad on the short side for, for this advantage. What do you reckon? Yeah, I, I think I agree, especially because Gus and David had previously gotten a 30-minute advantage, but they could take it at any point, and I think that makes it a a much bigger advantage, whereas these guys had to take it at the start. And I'm pretty sure that was for a six-hour build. I'm not going to go and check, but I think (laughs) that was for a six-hour build as well. So it really was a much bigger advantage. Yeah. So this elimination build was eight hours and it was called Go Big or Go Home. They had to build something as big as Kale, which I think is such a hilarious theme. Yeah, big fan. I also really liked that they had that no towers blanket rule. It just would have been so easy for contestants to do that. And it's an obvious rule to put in place, but it's also the first time I think that they've had a rule like that. Big fan of it. I also want to point out the garage door. (laughs) This is the closest shot we've ever seen of it. It seems real rickety. (laughs) I didn't notice. I'll have to go back and watch it. I think we need to get Gus and David to re-engineer it. I think with this build, generally speaking, a lot of teams struggled with story which obviously makes sense. They're focused on the height. And so it's hard to incorporate story into that as well. So it was definitely interesting watching the teams try to pull stories together or try to pull in different elements when they realized they didn't have a story. So it was it was a bit manic. And because they had to do it in such a strange form factor, like that weird verticality, because they didn't have enough time to build it outwards as well. Mm-hmm. It was yeah, it was definitely interesting. But we saw some good solutions to it. Yeah. So we'll start with Scott and Owen. They didn't really crown a winner in this one. They sort of just did like <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. the safest two and then the not the not safest. It was a bit odd. Scott and Owen, they stress me out, but God, they're good, aren't they? Oh, they really pull through. (laughs) And and Brickman does say, oh, you know, this, you could have had a couple more hours in these builds, but this build was phenomenal. I love the ship. I thought that the use of color in the ship was really, Mm -hmm. really good. It was like, it was like the palette of white and orange, but not in a way that was plain. It was in a way that was really vibrant and saturated. Yeah. And so many little details, all the puffs of smoke down the bottom, especially that seems like something that it would be really difficult to do with Lego. I don't know again, but yeah. <laughs> it seemed really impressive. And the fact that three times in a row they've done this whole smash and rebuild thing, I think they're getting better at it, which is a problem. Yes. <laughs> they say that they're working on better planning methods, but I, I really think that they seem to thrive under this pressure of having to smash and rebuild. I am a bit disappointed they didn't stick with the dinosaur. Mm. I would have loved to see them just like commit to it and try and do it. Maybe the dinosaur could have been a bit of a caricature and they could have got away with making it a skinny, really tall dinosaur. Mm. But it did seem like the smarter choice to switch to the rocket. Definitely. But it was very funny that they forgot 
that that was the same kind of build that Kale went home on. So I had a had a good giggle at that. I mean, honestly, I totally forgot as well, but Brickman just seemed like so offended by it. It yeah. was great. <laughs> we'll go to David and Gus who had the cobra snake coming out of a basket. This looked phenomenal. You know how we said in our trailer breakdown, wow, there's so many animal builds in this season. Like, I wonder what's going on there. It just turns out that 90% of them is just David and Gus. <laughs> yeah, true. That's just a specialty of theirs. I really liked that the snake wasn't trying to be super realistic. Yeah. Almost like what I suggested a moment ago with the dinosaur. They sort of cartoonized the snake a little bit, um, both in the features of the snake, but also the overall shape of the snake. Like it was a perfect vertical column, but in a really good way. Yeah. <laughs> the fact that it had like a detachable flute down the bottom that was like a separate part of the build we saw david playing with the flute near the end of the episode which was kind of funny as well Uh, yeah i thought it was a great build as we've said that's such a reliable team they pretty much haven't had a bad build ever another another big tick for them yeah this was so impressive i actually wish that we got to see more of it and, and we spent a little bit more time with them during the episode because it was so impressive and not to forget that it had uh some motorized action there as well yes that was also very cool we'll jump to harrison and michael who were in the bottom two so to say they had the fisherman on a wharf and their initial idea was that he's trying to go for a fish and he sort of hooked himself which i thought was a very cute story but then brickman turned around and said that there's no story here (laughs) so they sort of changed it to add some water down the bottom and there's like he's only pulling up tires and sort of being a bit comedic in that sense but they did have a bit of trouble with the fact that they focused on making the wharf really high. And so that was sort of where your eye went to instead of these little details like the fishermen and the water and the tire. In this case, I I do agree with everything Brickman was saying about it. I saw what they were going for and he made that point and I was like, yeah, but I do think it's one of the best pivots we've had Mm. from receiving feedback from Brickman and then finding a good way of integrating that feedback into the build without having to do a a Scotty and Owen. Yeah, that's true. So I think that was really good by them and they, they changed the story a little bit and, and I think the story they ended up with was really, really great. And I also love the way they decorated the pier to have um, all sorts of moss all over it. They did manage to put a lot of nice details on it towards the end, which was really great to see. I actually think that maybe if they had thought of this earlier or, or if Brickman had given them that feedback earlier, they maybe wouldn't have even done that kind of rock cliff thing behind the wharf at all. And I think they may have focused more on the water and like maybe had water like splashing up the side or something but you know it's all in hindsight (laughs) it is interesting that you say that because the timing of Brickman's feedback and obviously this is hard to judge watching it um who knows how it's been edited Mm. I thought the same with Scotty and Owen it seemed like he could have yeah he would have known they were building a dinosaur yeah and so the fact that he sort of seemed to take his time with telling them maybe he was going to judge the scale and the speed they were going mm. at for a bit first, but it, it seemed like maybe he could have jumped in a bit earlier or just said no to the dinosaur. Yeah, I'd be interested to know when Brickman actually gives this feedback versus when it looks like he gives it on TV because for sure. Scotty and Owen, it looked like he gave it an hour into the build. Harrison and Michael, it looked like he gave it in like the last 20 minutes kind of thing. So I I wonder if that's actually when he says it. We'll go to Ryan and Gabby, who were unfortunately eliminated 
this episode, which is so sad because they just lost the Brick of Doom. It's, they just went from the highest high to the lowest possible low. I know. It was so unfortunate. I do think, though, that if we had to pick a build that was going to cause an elimination and if we overlook the tragedy with Sarah and Fleur, which we'll get to in a moment, I do think Ryan and Gabby would have had to be the choice for that. And not because of the quality of the idea or even really the quality of the build, mm. more that I think it was a case of what they had in their head not getting translated to the physical realm of Lego or maybe not having enough time to get translated to the physical realm of Lego. Yeah, I totally agree. I think what they initially were trying to build maybe isn't what was actually sort of produced in the end or they sort of got there and then realised that they hadn't really considered story or what other elements that they could draw into it. And they obviously tried to build that in at the end, like they sort of added a rose and an engagement ring to sort of set up this proposal scene. But I think they probably needed to like have built a character, a big character to have pulled that off. And like they just couldn't have done that with the time that they had. I was kind of wondering if they wanted to have a lot more water and a yeah. lot more action happening in the water. And they got to a point where they'd built a certain amount of the build and realised, oh, the water itself is going to need to be really simplified. Yeah. And that sort of left them with that vacuum to fill. That's kind of what I was picturing could have happened. Mm, yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, either way, it didn't quite work out for them. Lastly, we had Sarah and Fleur. And my God, was this an emotional roller coaster? <laughs> it was wild, honestly. I, okay, I'll start off with saying before the last 15 minutes of the build, they had such a good idea and it was looking amazing. It was such a smart way of easily getting height. You know, it, it was thin, it was like fairly um, easy. Quote, in quotation marks, to execute. <laughs> I loved the idea of this like children's crossing where minifigs are taken over. It was like, it was so good. Yeah. Another one of their trademark fantastic ideas. It had a bit of humor to it. There was like an implied story and that you could see where this thing would take place in a Lego world, where it, where it would exist. Mm -hmm. And then unfortunately disaster struck a couple of times. And with the first disaster, I had written down in my notes, I think this is the worst accidental smash in the history of Lego Masters Australia. Oh no, you didn't even know what was coming. I did not even know what was coming. Yes. So the last 15 minutes, everything fell over, which was so heartbreaking to see. We've just never seen anything like it on the show before. No, not that far into a build. We, we've seen, you know, builds collapse or, or, or break to some degree halfway through or with an hour to go, but not that close to the end. And it was so lucky that they had the platinum brick because it would have been so awful if that happened to any of the other teams and they just couldn't do anything about it. There's a, a couple of things I want to commend the entire show on really. And the first thing is that the way that everyone reacted and dealt with mm -hmm. Sarah and Flo, including Sarah and Flo themselves, is yeah. So it's something we talk about in the show a lot, how wholesome it is. And this is just a wonderful example of it where mm -hmm. literally their entire day had come crashing down and all everyone did to react was just offer support. And it was just so lovely to see because if I was in their position, I would, I would have run away. I would have quit, you know, like, yeah. and yet yeah. everyone was just so great in dealing with it. And I just, I love that so much. Yeah. And I loved that. Brickman still came over and like judged their build based on what it was before it had smashed and sort of still gave them some feedback and told them that it, it probably would have won. So that was nice how they sort of handled it in that sense. Yeah, Brickman did a fantastic job. I did think that the shots 
of the build because obviously when they start the judging we get all these nice kind of slow-mo shots of the build and we get some nice details I did think that them doing that of the build like all smashed apart was a bit odd (laughs) but I (laughs) I guess they just (laughs) thought they had to do it anyway I was like I feel like I'm looking at like something that's just died and we should like close the coffin. <laughs> I kind of didn't mind it. It was nice to see the action of the smash, like to see that in detail. <laughs> they also did it with the spaceman in the first build, which was kind of funny. Yeah. But I also think Sarah and Flo would have had such a dilemma of whether or not to play the platinum brick because they would have felt like they were mm-hmm. messing over another team. But as I sort of said before, if their build hadn't smashed, I do think they would have been safe. They might have even been top two or a winner yeah and so really all the platinum brick did was like undo the smash it didn't like save their entire build it was just like the smash that it fixed either way i don't think they should feel guilty but i definitely definitely don't think they should feel guilty for what they did they did they earned the platinum brick fair and square you know and i think that all the other teams would totally understand like any of the other teams would have been looking at them like if you don't play the platinum brick you're idiots like please play it So we had a little preview of what's coming up in the next episode and really they just made it all about the fact that there's apparently a big twist. You know what this reminds me of, Prente? Hit me. In season two when they brought back Jay and Stani after they'd been eliminated. That's exactly what I was going to (laughs) say. It's the right time for it. We've had a few eliminations now, all of them fan favourites, let's be honest. We love them all. I reckon there's going to be a similar thing, a chance to play to return to the show. So last time it was Jay and Stani had to play for the chance to return. They didn't quite make it, but they got to come back for an episode. It'll be something like that this time. But who will the team be? Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, I I mean, we'd assume it's Gabby and Ryan who have just just been eliminated. But it sounded like it was a bigger twist than usual. So I'm interested to see what happens. It's always tough with those things because, yeah, you're right, it did sound like a bigger twist than usual. But also that's what they do on TV. You know what I mean? Like they always make it sound really big. So I guess we'll see. Either way, no idea what the build's going to be, but very excited. Or an alternative theory is they somehow, I don't know how this would work, but have to verse like a previous contestant or verse someone from season one or something like that. Yeah. Like, they're really enjoying bringing back contestants this year. So we'll see. That would be a twist. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Lego Masters Deconstructed. There's a lot to deconstruct this time, I tell you what. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast because we'll have recap episodes like this one for every episode of the TV show. And we're also going to try and interview all the teams that were on this season. We've already published our interview with Jeff and Atlanta, and we've just published our interview with Amy. So go and check both of them out. They were such a delight, all of them to chat to. Make sure you're following us on Instagram at legomasters underscore deconstructed and on Twitter at LMDthepod. Please feel free to slide into our DMs there and give us thoughts or questions or just chat to us about the episode. Also, if you want to send Zoe a ranking of how good you think her buys at the end of the podcast are from best to worst, <laughs> um, she's Zoe Peck underscore on Instagram. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to the show, guys, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Oh, that was a bad one. No, I liked it. I thought it was good. <laughs>